The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Good morning, Bucknoters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, December 22nd, 2021. I am Dave Biddle. I am joined by Matt Baxendale. A lot to get into, Bax. I'm just going to just throw questions at you. You don't even know what I'm going to ask you. The first one, so much has changed rapidly in college football. I mean, just in the last year with the portal, with guys not having to sit out a year, you know, used to be you had to graduate first. You'd have to get a waiver, of course, to not have to sit out a year. So with the portal and name, image, and likeness, where are you at on this? Or do you like this? Do you think it's bad for college football? Or are you kind of in a wait-and-see mode? What do you think about this rapid change we've seen in college football over the last year? Well, it's been a massive change. It's, these are the biggest shift of our lifetimes in college football. I mean, this the only thing I can compare this to is when uh, all the college football games won the lawsuit to be able to be on TV back in the 80s before I was born. So <laughs> it's a massive shift. Uh, where I'm at, though, is, is that I think we're sort of a transition period with it. I don't mind the kids having opportunities. I do think the, the mulligan transfer is certainly going to be interesting to watch play out, but it's been done in every other sport, and I was advocating it for it before, so I'd be a bit of a hypocrite to change my mind on it at this point. I think the issue you have now is, is that, from an Ohio State perspective at least, the, the different laws in different states are allowing certain – schools to be able to do more in conjunction with the money people that are involved and Ohio State's not one of them necessarily right now big picture wise I think they needed to put a little more thought into how all this was going to work out in terms of compensating players because you know Ohio State can't technically do anything but Texas is you know communicating with boosters so obviously there's a big disparity Texas is trying to buy its way back into relevancy so that part's interesting but there's other sides like Look at the kid who went to Jackson State to be with Deion Sanders instead of Florida State. Here's what Neon Dion probably told him outside of the fact that their the name, image, and likeness is a thing. The kid's a cornerback who wanted to play for Florida State and wants to be coached by Deion Sanders. He might get his way. You're going to see in the future, this is the next step, a kid like that Jackson State kid. In a year when Mike Norvell gets fired at Florida State and they turn to Neon Dion to be the head coach, that kid will follow him right along. Transfer portals now are going to be not just coaches leaving, but players leaving to go be with that coach at a different program. And we haven't really even gotten to the level of mining that's going to happen in the transfer portal. 
you have back in, I was just talking about this the other day. Uh, remember back in the day how you had Byron Leftwich and Ben Roethlisberger and Chad Pennington and all those Mac quarterbacks who were high draft picks a while back? That never will happen again because if one of those kids emerges as a freshman at one of these places, you know one of these schools. Let's say, for example, Ball State has a quarterback that emerges as a freshman and is awesome and puts up big numbers. You think he's staying at Ball State? Hell no. Half the Big Ten's going to be wanting him to transfer immediately in and start for them through the transfer portal. And there'll be monetary inducements into it. So what this is going to do is you're going to have essentially minor league college football where some of these Mac schools, like the, the, the days of Mac schools and Sunbelt schools spitting out first rounders, is going to be going away because those kids are all going to get recruited by Alabama and everything. And they're not going to have to wait out the transfer. So why wouldn't they, right? So it's, it's going to be fascinating. I, I think the NCAA at this point needs to consider adding another coach to the staff just to be able to allow these coaches to continue to be able to recruit because the amount of recruitment they have to do now isn't just their own, isn't just their class they have coming in. It's their own players. It's other kids in college football. It's the wild west. And I think that this is probably, you know, there, there should never be a problem with choice, right? Like if you're giving more opportunities for kids, then I'm all for it. But man, is it crazy right now. And there's going to need to be some sort of collective tightening to the system to be able to make this not just completely insane. And by the way, the NCAA tracking anything at this point is a joke. Get rid of compliance, make it like name, image and likeness like support staff, if you will, because there's no point in a compliance department anymore. No one's going to cheat in w the ways the NCAA have in, on the books. So everything's going to change. And I think that needs to be the way that Ohio State embraces it. But we'll have to wait and see, I guess. The two biggest Texas programs, Texas Longhorns, Texas A&M Aggies, are being very creative of what they're doing with their boosters. Brian Schottenstein, who I reached out to, we've had him on the show before. He is on his honeymoon right now. I'm going to try to get him on the show in the near future. In fact, I was trying to get him on the show this week, and he, he responded. He said he would love to do it, but uh, he's on his honeymoon right now, and he would love to do it when he gets back. So we're going to have Brian Schottenstein on the show in the very near future, hopefully. Bax, sounds like he's going to do one of those things that uh, some of the Texas boosters are doing. Start up a nonprofit. Brian Schottenstein doing God's work out here. Listen, I mean, it can't just be him and the Schottenstein family, all they've done. I, I think Ohio State boosters overall need to step up, and I think they will. But it sounds like Brian Schottenstein is going to lead the charge here, and I love that. This is what all these big schools have to do. You think Michigan State's billionaire alumni that's paying for Mel Tucker's contract isn't going to be sinking a ton of money into trying to get kids to come to that school too. I mean, that's where this is going. And if anything, it's going to be less donations directly to the program and more donations directly to these sister funds, if you will. And it's, it, this isn't that difficult to do. If you look at like how coaches are paid in a lot of places, the university pays half the salary and then like the booster club pays the other half the salary or whatever. Right. And that's just how it shakes out. Well, it's the same thing here. Schottenstein's not the only one, though. You're right. I mean, this would be a great opportunity for Les Wexner, who I know has done a ton for the university, to maybe get a little bit of the, um, the, the stench of the, any associations to Jeffrey Epstein. Good way to get that stench fixed. Launder some of that money right into Ohio State football. We'll all forgive you, man. Just let's get that money in the program, people. What Schottenstein needs to do is exactly what's going to happen. And the big kicker, though, is you can have $100 million waiting there as a slush fund for this NIL stuff to help with the coaches and recruiting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But they have to be able to talk to the coaches, right? They can't just send like every five-star, like, you know, an offer for money when maybe Ryan Day and company don't want the kid, right? That, that's the kicker is that they have the Texas boosters clearly 
have a burner phone to Sark, right? They clearly have bur burner phones, the Jimbo, to talk, or it's not against the rules down there, whatever, right? Because every one of these Texas kids that Texas wants, there's, 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 uh, there's offers showing up, if you will, to help. Uh, and it's all legal, guys. This isn't cheating. This isn't like back in the South where they had the, you know, different bag men on the door every day. You know what I mean? This, this, is, this is above board. But the problem is, is the coordination is technically frowned upon for Ohio State. Ryan Day needs to be able to call Brian Schottenstein and go, hey, we're really chasing after, you know, five-star recruit ABC from Texas. H help us make sure he ends up part of the program, or at least that the reason he doesn't choose Ohio State isn't because he's getting paid, right? Like, we have to be able to at least match what's out there. And if you're Ohio State with 600,000 living alumni or whatever the heck the crazy number is, um, it's the biggest alumni base in America pretty much. There should be plenty of money to help with this. So the communication needs to be allowed to happen. And Doug Archie's compliant department needs to now become Ohio State's help the kids get paid department because that's, there's no point in complying with anything. What are we going to report at this point, right? <laughs> it's crazy. So this is what entering the new world looks like. And sometimes some schools are ahead of the curve compared to others. And Texas caught everybody by the surprise this cycle. They were ready to go. So Ohio State's got to play now. They got to play ball. This is the new game. And that is what it is. There's no poor little Ohio State, right? This is big, bad Ohio State with all of its money and all of its resources and all of its history. There's no issue that Ohio State shouldn't be right there with everybody else able to do this, period. And you laid that out very well in your column last Sunday, the Buckets. All right, let's switch gears. Let's talk some actual football here. What's your confidence level in the Buckeyes against Utah in the Rose Bowl? Well, it started at a one out of ten, one being bad. Uh after the, after the game and watching the way that the kids got pushed around and all the, all the stuff that went wrong. And then that was promptly on the heels of uh, – that was followed up by Utah murdering Oregon again. So, uh, to me, this was something I was very, very worried about. But, you know, I think these players have heard from a lot of places, including me, I have called our entire D-line soft. The entire D-line was soft that game. They were on skates that whole game. Right. I am certainly not the only one to say that, but I will stand up to what I said because it was true. And here's the reality. These kids have heard that. Right. They heard Desmond Howard insulting their program on national TV in completely classless fashion at what's supposed to be the highest class college football event. These kids are probably having their manhood challenged on a daily basis right now by Mickey Marotti and company. This is a program gut check moment. And I think the closer we get to the game, the, my confidence is rising because of all the stuff these kids have heard. If they don't rise to the occasion, we have much bigger problems than one bad game against Michigan. That's the blunt truth. So my confidence is rising because I think a lot of these bowl games is who wants to be there more. And the reason initially I figured Utah would win this game was because Ohio State didn't really want to go. They were here for the playoffs. They were here to win the Big Ten, right? It was a letdown to make the Rose Bowl, as crazy as that seems to people who grew up with the Rose Bowl is the end-all, be-all, right? It's not today. And reality is Utah wants to be there. This is their first Rose Bowl ever. They're going to have 70% of the fans. It's a huge deal to Utah. But I think Ohio State's getting themselves back to where they need to be. I think all the doubt that's been thrown to them, including from most of Buckeye Nation, is going to be a real thing. And they've had a month to sit on it. And on top of that, it sounds like Garrett Wilson is – He's probably sitting out, but not a bunch of the other guys necessarily. And maybe we'll see there more as we get closer to the game. But it sounds like, for example, Olave is going to play. I didn't think he would initially, but he's from San Diego right down the road. He wants a thousand yards. 
if he plays, that obviously helps. I feel a little bit better as we get closer. I still think Utah is probably favored, but I'm probably more on a four out of ten at this point. I'm in a there there. To me, it feels like I could be pleasantly surprised on New Year's Day right now by Ohio State. When you say Utah's favored, just real quick, what, what do you mean by that? I mean Ohio State's favored in Vegas by six and a half. I'm favored in my in Baxland. Utah is favored in my head. Right? Really? Like, like what's your what's your yeah. point spread? If you're if you're giving the point spread in Baxland, what is it? The point spread in Baxland? <sighs> Problem is Baxland doesn't really apply well for point spreads, right? Because point spreads is something you can gamble on. In my head, it's like, well, if Ohio State scores first and gets a stop or two indeed, and they could run them because they know they're the more talented team. But if they go out and Utah goes down and scores two touchdowns with a bunch of time on the ground, it's going to be, oh, no, here we go again moment. And then Utah might run away, right? And Ohio State is going to get caught up. So uh, when I mean favored, I mean what I expect to happen. And right now, I don't have a ton of confidence, but I went from having zero confidence to a little bit of confidence, right? And everybody accuses me all the time of wearing scarlet-tinged glasses or whatever. Well, the reality is, is, what do we see on the field? Against Michigan, we saw a team that got beat physically, and that's not how you win in football. And Utah is a physical-ass team. So <laughs> in Baxland, right now, I expect Utah to win. Maybe by the time the game rolls around, I'll talk myself into it otherwise. Maybe when we hear about who is and isn't playing, I'll talk myself into it otherwise. But Utah ended the season a hell of a lot better than Ohio State, and they're a hell of a lot more excited from an overall program and fan base point of view to be there. And I know that people aren't going to like to hear that. But it's the truth. So Ohio State, this is a gut check moment because you don't want to go into the offseason starting off with Notre Dame next year, losing two games in a row. Yuck. That's some John Cooper stuff right there. We can't let that happen. Cannot let that happen. And I tell you, one good thing is being over there last week and talking to some of those guys. Uh, it seems like they're very, very motivated. So we'll see what happens. I think the Buckeyes are going to win, but I, I I understand your trepidation. I feel like it's a little bit of reverse psychology. I also know you got to get your kids to hockey practice, so I'm going to let you go. He's the people's champ. Check his award-winning column every Sunday. It is the bucket. Thank you to Bax. Thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning in the show. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays. Hope everyone has a great day. Let's hear the Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. fantasy warriors i'm heath cummings your guide to fantasy dominance on fft dynasty join me this offseason where mock drafts become epic showdowns and every pick shapes your legacy if if i was adam with the team that he's built will levis makes so much more sense and that's not all we're peeling back the curtain on the future with our exclusive 2024 nfl draft prospect profiles uncover hidden gems that'll elevate your roster to legendary status Puka Nakua. After Cooper Cup, we really have no idea who's going to get the targets. Keaton Mitchell of East Carolina. Explosive speed is ridiculous. This isn't just a podcast. It's a playbook for champions. Subscribe to FFT Dynasty now, and together, we'll conquer the fantasy football frontier. Your dynasty journey starts here.